Hello, and welcome to Web of Resonance. Welcome to... Whoops, sorry. That's okay, it was weird. We've never... I've never started before. That's weird. I know, and the rattle was so enchanting, I kind of got lost in it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what happens when you listen to Web of Resonance. That's right. So, Ken, go ahead and introduce yourself. (laughs) I... (laughs) <laughs> I I am Ken and I am the Rune Walker and with me I'm, today I'm Teresa Carmody and I'm with Elemental Journeys and she's always with me uh <laughs> every episode That's true and you're always with me That's true That was really wonky huh that, yeah, it's a different energy when you use a different instrument, and yeah. uh, which is why I'm sure you wanted to try it, is because uh, it always sets us up slightly differently. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I was telling you before we started recording that I got this rattle um, over the weekend while I was in Utah getting the rest of my stuff, and... Uh, I saw the table that said rattles and I wanted to go over and look at them and they were getting ready to close up. And I went over and I, I had to rattle all of them. They had all different rattles made of different woods. And I finally ended up with the walnut one because it was the one that sounded right. And um, so uh, that was Saturday. And then Sunday night I did a releasing um, of a whole bunch of sacred items uh, over fire at, our land altar there in Utah and uh, just rattled, used the rattle the whole time. And uh, it was a really cool experience. So I thought, why not try it today? Wow. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. It's a curious thing to me. I always, uh, you know, when I pick a tool that I'm going to use for magic, it's always nice for me to be able to uh, experience the tool. And it's ironic because the drum that I usually play uh, and the drum that I use most in my work uh, came to me uh, via a journey that at the time I was living in San Francisco and the shaman I was working with after she kind of held space for me while I had this journey. And I told her about it. And afterwards, she was like, oh, you've got to call Patrick over at Cedar Mountain Drums up in Portland. And as I was so nervous calling a stranger to then tell them my journey. Uh, But I trusted her. So I came home from the session and I call him up and he actually answered the phone, which is a rare thing. Uh, tell him my journey and he's like oh yeah I know exactly the drum that you're looking for put it in the mail to me and I had it two days later wow and yeah it was really a magical experience it's the only time I've ever gotten a tool that I didn't lay my hands on and test out beforehand Um, but there's something really potent about when you journey and when things show up in the physical realm based on a journey yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is that's an interesting um concept too because there's so many things that are uh sold on Etsy nowadays that a lot of practitioners of all kinds of magic or pagany things um buy things without touching them. Buy things without smelling them, without uh experiencing the energy of it in person, yet, you know, uh I wonder how many have the experience similar to you. Like, oh, I just knew that's the one I needed to get. Uh, or Not because it was like, oh, this is the cheapest one on Etsy, so that's the one I'm going to buy. Right. Well, I think, it's, I think that's something that that has definitely changed in our modern age. Uh, you know, I think uh, most people would have made their own tools and uh, – and put energy into it. So I always think it's an interesting thing when you pick up a magical tool that somebody else has made. Um, and then it's, it's even uh, more, I don't know, complicated, it, far removed. It's just interesting how we choose our tools, what draws us, um, how we recognize an attraction to a tool, uh, how we recognize uh, what that attraction tells us for what the tool is meant to do. Yeah, I I think one of the things I've really been thinking about this past weekend was, uh, I believe, 
I don't know if it was an episode or it was just you and I talking, but um, you had said something to me about, um, like uh, we were talking about tools. Uh, oh, it was last episode because I was listening to it. That's what it was. Uh, we had spoken about the fact that we kind of, our ancestors, things came to them as they needed them or they, you know, they found food on their path. They found the hide on their path. Uh, and that got really got me thinking because part of the, I knew I had to release a whole, a lot of things before coming here. Um, but when I went back and really looked at things, I thought, Oh my God, I kept a whole bunch of stuff. And it really started me thinking a little differently about I will have my rattle and my drum and a few of those things, but we have, we become spiritual hoarders in terms of, Oh, I'm going to have all of these things. I need to have like this whole apothecary of stuff and it just sits there and never gets used. I had several things on my altar that uh, I'm a little bit, ashamed to say that kind of just sat there and never got used. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I, I, that was a real shift for me over the weekend. Did you feel like uh, they became stagnant or did you feel like they started to weave an energy around you that because it became so normalized, you didn't sense their individual presence anymore? Um, I felt more like, The ones that I actually picked up to be put into the fire and released needed that. Uh, yeah. It was time for them to do that. Um, and, you know, I, I had to work through for myself the part of me that said uh, guilt for not using them more yeah. or not. Uh, like it was almost like a dishonoring to like, let them just sit there. Yeah. Um, I understand that. And so, and that, I don't necessarily think that for everybody or see that for everybody. I don't, I'm not going to look at your, you know, uh, your apothecary and be like, Oh my God, you've got too much shit. Uh, or like, <laughs> you know, like be judgy about that. But I think for me, what it shifted for me was that all of a sudden uh, living in a, in a mobile, mobile and tiny micro house really became, uh, I don't know, whatever, what it was the final nail in the coffin or something, you know, like it was the one thing like, oh, it's not just about having less and living tiny. It's about so much more. And I hadn't, I just hadn't made that leap yet. Yeah. Well, you know, I think that you and I are pretty animistic thinking that, you know, everything has life force to it. Um, and so it's I think it's very easy, especially with magical tools that we grow really attached to or that we've had significant experience with. Uh, it's hard to let those go sometimes. Um, and it is, it, you know, it is an honoring of the energy of what they added to your life when you let them go, uh, whether they need to be transformed like through fire or whether they need to be passed along to someone who now has a use for them. So uh, I think I had mentioned before, you know, Tate had done this uh, giveaway and it's giving away things that have meaning to you uh, before he had moved up here. And people were weird, like, but this is stuff that means something to you. Well, I don't want to take it. Well, no, but that's the, that's the true giving part of this or releasing part is that it's not just stuff I don't want. It's not like taking things to the goodwill right. uh, that you don't want anymore. It's actually things that mean something to you. So having those things that I re I released or that I have that I'm going to release by giving them away or whatever those mean something to me, um, whether our work is done together or not, uh, or they're done and want to be released into the fire or whatnot, into the water, there's, there's an honoring of 
the fact that there's connection and was connection there instead of it's just something I'm done with. Do you uh, ritually cleanse them before you give them away or do you give them potent with the magic that they worked with you? You know, I, I gotta say, I haven't thought about that um, because I've only done it once and seriously, it was a few years ago and it was because I just no longer used them. So uh, there were <laughs> It was funny because I saw someone pick up some of my stuff and I was like, oh God, I didn't cleanse that well enough. Damn it. (laughs) Uh, So I'm like, God damn you. Uh, Of course you picked up that because you, you know, you have a weird obsession with me. Um, (laughs) Or I don't know. It was weird. And that probably sounds way more uh, narcissistic than I than it actually is well i think Uh, what you're talking about is there is an awareness that you know a tool is a tool until it's in your hand uh uh, or it's its own thing it has its own energy and whoever picks up a tool you're blending your energy with the energy of the tool and so it it alters both you and the tool to do that and then when you give it away um, you are giving away something that has your energy in it. It feels almost like, um, like, you know, shamanically when I do soul retrievals, it's like, oh, you left some energy over here and you need it back. Uh, yeah. But I'm wondering, um, and I'm just curious, I haven't done it. So I'm just curious based on what you're saying. Uh, and I don't expect you to have the answer. It's just a thought I have of, you know, is that part of what you're passing on is that you're passing on something that it, it's not only the tool you're passing on, but it's whatever part of you needed the tool at the time. And if you pass that on, are you also passing along your energy in a way of supporting the other person's growth so that they have as profound experiences with the tool as you had? So what I thought of was spiritual STDs, <laughs> what you just <laughs> said. Um, See, you're seeing it as something that maybe needs to be cleansed. And I'm wondering if maybe uh, we're a little too paranoid and that it's, oh. it is that energy that we leave in our tool that actually helps it find its right next donor. I absolutely, no, I completely agree. <laughs> I, uh, I think that uh, if we do it properly, then yes, yeah. that's the that's the thing. Um, and it does. It's really funny that I thought of that because I, I guess I just thought of some of the thing of the things I released were gifts from people. Yeah, that I no longer like. There were I don't know however you want to put it. A, uh, not anchors, uh, hooks. There were, you know, they were energy ties. They weren't anything. They were meant to be special, but they just came with a whole bunch of attachment. And uh, it wasn't, it wasn't the, atta- it wasn't the, the, they weren't embodied with the thing that you're speaking about. So I think right. for me, that's where I first went. But I absolutely think that um, when we honor them and when we honor our walk with those tools and then they are passed down it is very much how our ancestors would have done it because they you know taught us how to make bows they taught their you know uh, parent to child how to make bows how to uh skin the animal and use every part of the animal so all of the tools were very um they were sacred right and even if they were well not even if but probably especially if they were about uh, life-giving food, shelter, all of those things, they were sacred. And so um, I absolutely think that if we start, well, this is probably where I'm headed is just looking at those things. And when I do pass them on, it is passed on with a a reverence and an honoring for that, passed on to the next person. And I think that uh, the funny thing about that is that I think that that's the way it's meant to be. And I think that's beautiful. 
And what I saw working in the store, Blue Antler, was that we would uh, allow people to bring in their uh, the cards, the Oracle or tarot cards that they didn't want anymore. And we would use, and we would uh, like give them $5 credit or something for the store. And so we would cleanse them. Um, but people were really weird about having somebody else's stuff about, oh, there's so much, there's bad energy on that. That's bad energy. Uh, unless it's given to you, it's bad. You can't buy it. And there was like, it's a really interesting uh, kind of, because it wasn't just one person who said that. It was quite a few people who folded into that uh, story and, you know, made it, made it bigger. And I thought it's really interesting. Well, <clears throat> it's funny to me that uh, they would uh, see the energy as bad. To me, I would see that as, you know, I've been given a couple of uh, tarot decks that I know have had many owners and to me, uh, some of those are my most prized uh, treasures because yep. they've had several owners, because the magic that is built up into the tool is pretty significant because of that. Um, and I also recognize that uh, we tend to not, um, I think we tend to see anything that's used as carrying someone else's energy as being bad. Uh, when to me, if it feels bad to you, it's not your tool. And yes. so it doesn't have to be that the tool is tainted. It's it, whatever energy it's coming from. If it feels bad to you, it's just not your tool. Right. And I also was thinking, you know, given that it's the season of Samhain still, that um, I hadn't thought before about something away that I'm also giving away uh, maybe parts of myself or energy of myself that that tool helped me navigate that are actually ready to be released. And that just because it may be something that I need to release does not mean that it is toxic or bad to the next person. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think, uh, what, what do you think, what do you think happened <laughs> that we are, or there is this thread within our culture that we are afraid of that? Like, cause to me, if I start thinking about that, what I think about is, oh, we don't want connection to other people. Like we see connection to somebody else. Or I don't want to be connected to somebody else. I uh... I don't think we see what is given away as gift. I think we see what is given away as trash. Yeah. So unless it's bought brand new, uh, we may not recognize it as gift. Um, and that's why I'm saying, I mean, some of the things that are the deepest treasures to me are the things that I know someone else used and loved. And that's the treasure to me is that it is now so potent, um, with magic, um, and with the love that that other person had for it, that what I feel is I don't feel any of their, like personality things that don't resonate with me, I feel an object that's been deeply loved and as a result of it, that object glows. Yeah. But I also think that someone else may not feel that at all, which is why it now resides with me, not somebody else, I think. Yes, but I, I agree. Do, yeah, I don't think we recognize that when someone has loved something that the gift they give us is not just the object, but the love that they've infused into it. Yeah. Speaking of tools. Yes. Should we draw? Yes. Yeah, do, do we have an intention? It's funny, we're talking about tools and we're talking about release for Samhain. Um, so I don't know how those two things go together, but maybe that's what we can get some information about. That works for me. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So I have a question. So just, uh, red or black? 
Hang on. I want to say both. Okay. That's funny because the one bag is red and black. The other bag is just black. <laughs> oh, so okay. You, you picked the one that has both. Right. <laughs> How are you doing over there? Um, I have two I'm trying to decide between. Yeah. It's interesting when this happens. Um, sometimes it means both. Sometimes I, I'm just attracted to two for different reasons. Okay. Okay, so that was clear. So I have another card to look at when we're done uh, that okay. I don't think has anything to do with us. Uh, oh, how interesting. Uh, my card today is the Page of Wands. Tell me about the Page of Wands. Well, uh, Wands is the element of fire. Um, and the page is... Um, the page is kind of the first maturity after the numbered card. So it's a minor arcana card. And I always see the minor arcana as being like... Uh, very specific about an element in one's personal journey, whereas the major arcana cards often have to do with our relationship with archety uh, archetypal energy. Yeah. This is more very deeply personal energy. It would deliver the message of that you have matured now past just a kind of a growth. It's kind of like where I see... Um, I see it's almost like a threshold of moving into uh, being adept or I don't like the word, but I don't have a better one yet. Uh, you're moving into mastery about whatever the element is and whatever the tool is. So the page of wands to me would be about, okay, you've developed enough relationship with the fire and you've matured enough that you're really now walking in a much more uh, responsible, aware, uh, participatory way. It's not so much that the fire is feeding you. It's now time for you to also feed the fire. Kind of like what we talked about last week. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So, and it's interesting that you just did a fire ceremony where what you fed the fire was your magical tools. So, you know, I, m my wanting to know this week was really about when you give away a tool, what part of you is also being given away? How is that, you know, how do you do that with integrity and not just slime somebody? Um, right. And I think that this is really about uh, you're feeding the fire and someone else may receive the gift, but the fire that you're feeding is an energetic magical thing um, and that it is transformative. So I'm, I'm feeling like there needs to be less concern about what energy am I passing on as long as you recognize I'm feeding this to the fire and in some way um that's part of what attracts the person who then gets it did that make sense yeah okay yes wow so i think for me it's about be less afraid of of letting your energy go um that uh nothing that is truly yours will ever leave uh, yes. So it's kind of like, you know, we, when you take a shower, you slough off dead, dead skin cells. You don't then feel a sense of something is now lacking in you or you got to go chase them down the drain. Right. I mean, that's actually a big part of what being healthy is, is being able to let go of uh, what no longer is part of your life form. But that doesn't mean it's dead. Right. Um, and I think that that's really appropriate for Samhain in the time of Earth and that, you know, we're still, uh, Samhain is to me the tomb that the Earth element is tomb and holds what is dead and transforms it so that by Yule you have very fertile ground to plant new seeds. Yeah. Um, and then the Earth becomes the womb. Uh, but we're still, for me, energetically, we're still in the tomb part of the element of earth. Uh, so it's about being, for me, it's about being able to release and not being so worried about 
um, I think we're all a little bit too worried about that we leave soul pieces around as if those are things we know or need. Um, I think there's different a different thing between when trauma leaves a soul piece that you do need to reintegrate and just the natural growth of sloughing off um, life energy that no longer should be part of your life form. We're too stuck on till death do us part. Yeah. And, and some fear about, um, uh, you know, protecting what is mine, because if I don't, there'll be all kinds of people trying to pull me apart. Um, I, I hear that a lot, uh, in, in the stories that you've told about, uh, you know, people coming into the stores, there seemed to be a lot of fear of, you know, it's a very hostile environment out there and I've got to protect myself. Uh, I was just with a group, uh, the other night, uh, where that kind of conversation came in and, um, and it really got me thinking about, uh, you know, what story are you focusing on? There's definitely plenty to fear uh, if that's where you focus. Uh, but for me personally, when I go there, it completely weakens me. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, I actually think that uh, it puts us in... Uh... Well, maybe not puts us, it keeps us in a state of uh, not being able or sovereign. I'm switching those words up. Uh, it, it, it pulls us out of that, out of that space and uh, keeps us focused on everybody else instead of ourselves. Yeah. And uh, I actually think the greatest protection is being uh, really connected and centered in yourself. When I feel that, um, I it, it's easier to recognize when uh, when when some energy is coming along that doesn't resonate. But what I notice is that when I'm really in my own integrity and strong in that and centered, anything that comes that might seem like threat, just it, you know it. It's like um, it's like it has nothing to stick to. That's not quite right. It's almost like, oh, your energy isn't what I'm looking for. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I Absolutely. think that I think that we discount that too much. I actually think that uh, we have been taught not to pay attention to what we seek, what's pleasurable to us, what we desire, what we want. Um, whether it's through Christianity or psychology. I mean, even Freud talked about the id and our deepest desires as being fairly barbaric and in need of uh, moderation. Um, and so we've been taught that our deepest urges and desires and preferences are something that will mislead us when actually I think those are the things that show us very clearly who we are. Absolutely. So maybe I should just go into my rune. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the rune I pulled was Otila. Uh, I have to admit that apparently I'm missing something because uh, before we left to go back to Utah, <laughs> excuse me, sometimes, uh, not sometimes, I do pull runes for like, okay, this is a rune for the trip or uh whatnot uh otila was pulled that day we left otila was pulled the day we left to come back here oh wow and now otila is pulled today and actually different sets of runes so wow uh, yeah so uh otila is connected to ancestral land oh, i actually oh yeah <laughs> yeah uh i actually wrote about um it in a, a post i did i think on instagram or something i was trying to find it but i, I can't uh remember the password to the wi-fi here let's see so 
Otila is something that has come up like immensely. It is ancestral land. Uh, it does connect to um, other things ancestral. Uh, I, I let me see. Oh, it's right here. So I wrote uh, through the mist sent there when the hag of the mist pierced to the air with her violent breath. Ancestors returned to watch over my path. Thank you. Uh, which is one of them. And uh, it's been, the ancestors have been there. Let me tell you, it's, uh, then also in the, I wrote a piece about the fire. So uh, released, released, but when long before tonight, a burning fire glowed against shadow and I, the timing confirmed by the fact that I was able to light the fire. Goodbye, friends, colleagues, ancestral land in, moderni in modernity. Goodbye, haters, manipulators, gifts with many strings. So everything we're talking about today is pretty much on track for the, the themes or threads that have been coming this week. But uh, when I, in this last one, goodbye, uh, ancestral land in modernity modernity oh my god modernity i that's a weird word for me there was a an interesting release that happened um because i had made some commitments to that land that we lived on that is ancestral for me right uh, and uh to some of the trees that we planted and it, it was a really huge huge uh release not just of those spiritual items, but of commitments and things too, because, and it's all ancestral. Um, and I don't, I don't know now if there's something that is still yet to be done or. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. That's the piece that's coming to me so strong as you're talking is you know, even from the beginning of our talk today, we've been talking about when you release something, what do you let go of that's yours? What do you pass on that's yours? Yep. Um, but as soon as we start focusing on Samhain being when the veil is thin and we get to visit our ancestors, they continue to pass things on to us if we are willing to connect with them and receive. And yeah. so it's a chain of passing along information and, you know, each Samhain, it's about which ancestors actually meet you at the veil. Um, yeah. For me, it's, it, it, there are a few that show up pretty regularly every year, um, but there are also a few surprises. And um, I think that, you know, as you're talking about it, if you planted a tree and made a commitment to it, uh, you helped it uh, start its life in getting, uh, in supporting it to grow strong enough to grow independently. And once it grows independently, the relationship has to change, just like with a parent and a child. When the child becomes an adult, if you can't negotiate that new relationship of being adult to adult, uh, it usually causes quite significant relationship issues through the course of your life. Yep. And so <clears throat> I wonder if in releasing the commitment, you focused on, and now you can grow on your own and yet we remain connected, but it'll be a different relationship now. I wonder if it, if instead of just letting it go, what you need to let go of is the form it took and recognize that you'll always have a connection to those trees because they called you to plant them and you did. They called right. you to care for them and you did. And when they were ready to live on their own you, and it was time for you to go, uh, the, the nature of your relationship changes, but the connection does not. Right. Yep. I think, I think that's, uh, a super, uh, appropriate and valuable. Can I not speak today? Valuable lesson. <laughs> lesson. Uh, for me, um, especially because one of the things that I tend to do is, uh, or tended to do in the past, uh, I'll do it because I'm the only one who can. Right. And th that's, yeah, you know, we've talked about that with Blue Antler too. Like, 
that was uh, part of my lessons to that I've learned through this process is that not just within in in well actually in all of my life in all of the different aspects of my life um and uh, you know appropriate for this lesson I think to be learned at this time of the year yeah you know uh the other thing that uh is coming to mind for me about ancestral land is um you know, the the story I was going to tell, uh, the one that you gave me the reading on, um, I had all the performances this last week right around Samhain. And yeah. one of the things, and I stepped into that with the intention that uh, it was going to be, I was going to let the story tell itself through me um, and channel as much as I could. And one of the things that happened that was very curious to me is by about the third night, one of the things that I recognized is that uh, I was starting by casting a circle. And by the third night, um, I started to become aware that I needed to, I needed to in some way honor that my tradition uh, has some similarities to uh, Native American tradition in that we both walk a wheel um, and both of our wheels are actually informed by the land in which the people who recognized the wheel or first started practicing it, it was informed by the land. And so that the wheel that I walk is actually informed by a different land. And that um, it was necessary for me if I was going to cast a circle in this land to kind of honor and recognize that the land itself informed its own tradition and that uh, somehow I needed to do something energetically to honor that in order for the circle that I wanted to cast to be joined with the energy of what already is. Wow. Yeah, it was really, for me, I don't know what it looked like to the audience because I imagine the audience doesn't cast circles very often. Uh, but for me, it was a very different uh, experience, uh, so much so that I think that'll probably be something that I do regularly now in all of my rituals is just honoring that the land that I now live on once belonged to people who had their own medicine that was informed by the land. And it is slightly different than the tradition I have because the tradition I have comes from a different land. That's a really fascinating topic, isn't it? The honoring of this land incorporated into the honoring from our ancestral land further back than just here in the United States, but, um, and, and doing that. Well, I think, I don't think there's a problem with it when you come at it from a respectful perspective, um, whether or not people yell, I don't know, some type of cultural appropriation or not that it's not, it's that you're coming at it from a, a respectful and inclusive way uh, and a way of honoring instead of, you know, uh, stealing. Yeah. Well, I'm, you know, it, it gets so complex for me because, uh, you know, even though the magic that I practice comes from my ancestral land and I visited there, I wasn't born there and I've never lived there. Yep. And so in some ways, you know, when I look back at, you know, if I trace my life and just kind of um, meditate with or journey on uh, how did the land inform my development? Where was I born? What was the land like there? How did it inform me when we moved to Las Vegas? How did the desert then embrace me? Because I absolutely, even now when I go back, Las Vegas is a valley surrounded by mountains. And those mountains, to me, had a very um, uh, parental, protective, uh, nourishing effect on me. I always felt held by them. Um, and so it's, and I don't think that that's appropriation. That's my own relationship with them. And 
there were other people who lived there before me. Um, right. And so it, it can get very complex. To me, what I try to do to avoid appropriation is to recognize that the land gave a different people a tradition. And I can't practice that tradition because I'm not from that time or from those people. But if I live in the same land, the land will still talk with me. It will still support me. It will still ask things of me. Um, I will have my own relationship with it. Um, And I think that when someone is too afraid of a cultural appropriation that they deny relationship, uh, you know, that brings to mind two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. Yes. And I think uh, it's deeply important to come into relationship with the land wherever you are. And that means also honoring that there were those who walked on this land before you came. Yeah, I agree. Wow. That's a really, so, you know, ancestral. Uh, I felt the same way about the mountains. Yeah where I grew up uh, and when I went to Wales which is where a, the, a lot of my family are from I saw something in those mountains that was very similar to the ones that I grew up near yeah. so it was really a, a beautiful thing for me to see that and kind of uh, now allowing for a release of what I thought my connection was or needed to be to where I grew up. Now, uh, now is the time to, I think I mentioned this to you last time. I felt a little wobbly. Yeah. (laughs) Here. So uh, it's, it's a time to kind of step into that. But I also see that there's a really interesting um, ancestral, how do I explain that? Um, there's a really interesting ancestral land to be found, connection to be found uh, energetically as well. I think we mentioned yes. that last time too. Well, so, I'm sitting here on my couch and I'm looking out the window and it's a fairly clear day so I can actually see Mount Hood. Um, and it's absolutely beautiful. And I hear it kind of whispering to me, kind of saying, silly human, don't you know that I'm connected to the mountains of the place that raised you and that we came into being in very similar ways? Um, it, to me, what I'm feeling is kind of like, uh, you know, when I connect with uh, animal spirits, I'm not just connecting with one particular animal, but when I connect with one animal, I'm connecting with the whole species. Yes. And, uh, and, and kind of what I'm feeling looking out at Mount Hood here is, uh, you know, I'm a mountain people. I, I don't have better language for that. That's human for what I have, whatever it is it's trying to communicate to me. But it's yeah. almost like I have um, kinship with all mountain. Yep. You know, across the planet. And so, you know, the idea of uh, cultural appropriation, I think, is uh, uniquely human. I don't think the earth recognizes the same kind of boundaries that we do. Um, I think that there are uh, things that as humans, we should respect in that, you know, whatever I practice on this land, whatever energies this land combines with my magic, uh, I don't walk that path. And I don't try to. Um, Because I have not grown up in the um, in the energy of their culture. And yet, you know, Mount Hood here is saying to me, I have a relationship with Mount Charleston. Don't you know you can connect to those homelands through me? Yeah. Uh, there, there was a, and I can't remember where I got this, but uh, I will sometimes <laughs> send messages through the trees. Yeah. Uh, from here to there or here to wherever. Uh, and I, 
I can't quite remember where I picked that up, but uh, we, we're all, we live on the planet. And so um, wherever we live on the planet is where is the land, like you just said, that we should develop a relationship with yeah. and that we could, you know, develop a relationship with. And I think that uh, my, my, image or my view of that just got drastically enlarged. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, that was the effect for me as Mount Hood is saying what it's saying to me is, is wow, you know, that then, that then helps remind me of uh, what I'm getting is I'm getting the feeling of looking out my window when I lived in Las Vegas and looking at the mountains off in the distance and knowing that I can turn around and look out a different window and I'll see mountains on the other side. Um, and that feeling of them being ever present and watching over and uh, wanting to be recognized and honored. Yeah. Yes. For the place that they hold. Yeah. That's an interesting, uh, you know, a lot of, I should say in my experience and in my uh, probably limited reading scope compared to how much has been put out there, uh, a lot of times the caves in the mountains were where they buried or interred uh, bodies and they were sacred places. They weren't necessarily the places that you lived, but you, they were the sacred places to go. Yeah, well, and I do think that some people lived in them. I mean, I'm thinking about hermits and stuff and, you know, uh, some of the monastic um, uh, people, whether they were uh, nuns or priests or brothers, um, they would often find a natural environment that had different caves. And, um, you know, they would have like a hermitage community where you each live in your own little space and... You know, you don't really commune with each other very much. Right. Yeah, it, and, and that is a an altered, I guess maybe we would see that as an altered way of being. Yeah. Oh, living. So, because when you said that, I, I really picture Merlin or yeah. uh, the, the old old hag or the witch of the community or whatever that's where they lived was in those places like that mountains the forests the places that were maybe a little bit harder but they were the places that were fringe well and i think that 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 is something that is more culturally specific that i don't know you know when i think about uh you know the stories from your trip to ireland when i think about my own stories of my trip to ireland is that when you go there, um, one of the things that I received was, you know, each place that I visited, uh, there would be a story about the place. Certain things are called what they're called because of the story that happened in that location. And that here, um, I don't necessarily have those stories, but I do recognize that there is a people in a culture that does. And there's a lot to learn from that. Yes. And a lot to share. So do you have a specific, I don't know, meditation uh, way that you connect with your ancestors that might be helpful? Oh, those buggers seem to show up whenever they want. <laughs> yes, they do. Um, I I will say that uh, I do have an ancestral altar. I've put it in the west end of my house. Um, and it is an altar where I have uh, pictures of loved ones who have passed. Um, I also, um, I don't like having uh too many pictures of people and so often what i'll also do is 
you know, I may pick up a stone on the ground and have a thought of an ancestor and place that on my altar as the thing honoring them. Um, so for me, I think this time of year in particular, I'm really focused there. Uh, most times uh, when I journey for that kind of ancestral connection that you're talking to or talking about, it's not actually the people who have passed that I'm connecting to. It's the land uh, that is in my DNA that I connect to. Has that always been that way for you? Um, I think so. Probably less conscious than it is now. Um, but... Um, yeah, from a very early age, uh, I would go outside and be talking to the trees and the flowers and the birds and whatever was out there. Um, and that's never not been the case. Um, there, there were a few encounters. I remember, you know, when I grew up in Las Vegas, my grandparents had horses. And in the summertime, it's just too hot in the day to ride. So I would actually go out uh, right as the sun was setting and ride out in the desert at night and I'm absolutely sure there were at least two occasions where I felt a very ominous presence um, the horse I was riding responded to it as well so I knew it wasn't just kind of a spiritual thing but the, that there was something physical there um, and it's almost as if the land was alerting me and um, and then guided me safely home. I, I literally, I felt that. I felt the desert kind of be aware, oh, there's a predator here. And the desert itself, uh, it felt like it, it put a protective bubble around me and, and guided me safely home. Wow. And so for me, I think the, the kind of, uh, I don't connect it. You know, I talk to ghosts all the time. But I don't have that same kind of connection that I feel when I connect to land. Uh, the land to me, uh, uh, I don't need to summon it. It's just always there. It's almost like it's just waiting for me to acknowledge it. Yes. Well, and, and too, the, the concept is there that uh, our, our ancestors, if they were buried... Uh, not in modern times, but their body went back into the earth. So it became part of the earth again. So right. what, you know, why would that not be a, a way to connect to all of the ancestor? <laughs> yeah. That is, that is the earth and is contained in the earth. Well, that's been another interesting development for me about this Samhain is that uh, you know, in my work, I will often recognize that the soul uh, carries with it memories from past life. Yeah. And that whenever I've thought about reincarnation, it's always thinking about the soul's transition. Uh, and I think that's a little bit left over from, uh, you know, the Cartesian duality and, uh, you know, Christianity of the soul and the body kind of being in enmity with one another. And yeah. part of what's happened this Samhain is I've really been kind of diving into what is the reincarnation of the body and that it really is very, very different. I think that's part of what's informing what I'm saying about tools and passing on tools. And there's really no way for your energy not to be in that, but it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It's just like, you know, my body being buried in this ground will... Uh, decompose in a way that the the life that is still in my body um, because there is as it decomposes that life then gets absorbed by the earth and the earth creates new life from that or new life forms yeah. from that yeah. and so there is uh, more literally a true reincarnation of even my body it's not just the trash that I leave behind. It actually becomes the food for some other life forms. I love that. I think that's exactly how it should be and how we, we don't do it now. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm right on the edge of the journey that I I really am itching to take next is um, can I connect with all the bodies I've ever had and that life that was not truly extinguished? How can I connect with all those bodies I've ever had? Like, where does that take me? That would be really fascinating uh, uh, to explore in your shamanic storytelling. Uh, Ooh, per, uh, the the bi-monthly shows you're going to be doing. Yeah, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought about that. Of course, I don't know that there's a lot that maybe a little inchworm has to say, <laughs> but they have a huge <laughs> part in, in, in how that looked and worked. And... Well, but even the inchworm is part of the chain of reincarnation because as it ate whatever was my body and then it decomposed, uh, you know, it, it, the, my body and the earth around it passed through that worm. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think a lot of times it's just about, uh, can you shift your perspective enough that the worm can actually still give you wisdom? Is there a way to connect in a, that, uh, so that communication can happen. Right. And I think that's the beauty of a shamanic practice or having an animistic perspective that pagans often have is life can speak to life. And so it doesn't really matter what form life takes. There is still the ability to communicate. And really the only thing that I think obstructs that is the limitation of our belief. Suspend your belief for just a minute. Yeah. yeah. And think that something else, that this is possible. Suspend your disbelief, right? Is that what you said to me? Once? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you can always, after you have the experience, say, ah, that was fanciful and, and dismiss it. Right. Um, but w one of the reasons why I do have a shamanic practice is that time and time again, whatever fanciful, you know, journey experience I have, um, uh, too often there is a direct and often immediate um, something that happens in the physical 3D world that validates the messages I just received from a journey. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's why it's magical. That's why I practice magic. That is magical. That, uh, that, different realities uh there's communication even among the different worlds oh yeah it's well so when we started today i i haven't drawn too many little tunnels <laughs> tornadoes today <laughs> because the what the first yeah the first one i did stopped me because uh normally they have a small end that opens up into a, a bigger end like a tornado uh but this was uh it started out uh as bigger circles and then it just kind of continued on so it's like this pipe but overlapping there is in the center of it the shape of a person so uh i stopped right there <laughs> for today uh for the minute because it was very much like okay there's somebody just waiting right there on the other side or whatever that means. Uh, and, you know, having drawn OT law at several times over the last week, uh, you know, I've got, I've got uh, some interesting journeying to do. Yeah. I think that, you know, I think it's interesting. You asked me, how do I connect with the ancestors? And I think that um, what is coming clear to me is I connect with my ancestors when I connect with the land. Yeah. Because no matter how their bodies are uh, interred, so whether they're burned, whether they're given to the sea, whether they're buried in the earth, uh, regardless of the chemicals that are buried in with them, the earth will eventually break that up and absorb it. Yeah. 
I think the chemicals create a whole other uh, thing that we could certainly talk about sometime, yeah. but uh, but even with the chemicals, over time, the earth is going to absorb that. Yes. And it becomes, it goes back. Yeah. Well, maybe not goes back. It, it's reintegrate. No. Because it's always there. It's always part of, because we're on, we live on this earth. <laughs> right. It's, it just, you know, it's that, uh, I think it's the second law of thermodynamics. Energy is neither created nor destroyed. It just changes form. Yes. Oh my God. You're so smart. I would not have known that. <laughs> Well, you know, that uh, I'll tell you how I came to that. Yeah. I don't just know that I had to. I, well, it, it kind of came to me when uh, I was really wrestling with I kept feeling urges to practice left hand magic. And I had been taught, you know, to abhor the destructive branch and to see it as enemy and sinister and having um bad intent and i was so drawn to it it was like it, it was creating um it was creating illness in me is what it felt like um and i was looking for some kind of support around uh i feel so compelled to practice this i just need something that offers my mind a way to relax enough that I can actually try. And uh, I was uh, I was in my doctoral program and taking classes with a cosmologist. And so he was talking a lot about the laws of the universe and that happened to be the one that sprang out at me. And I was like, that was what I was looking for. That's the thing that helps me understand how the left and right hand path actually work together. Wow. Yeah. Because that is left-hand path magic. Yeah. Energy isn't created or destroyed. It changes form. And so the left hand is about uh, unraveling the form so that the pure energy is now available to create new life. Yes. New form. Yes. And that's what our bodies do. Wow. I did not expect we would end up there. I didn't either. <laughs> But that's what happens when you take that meandering path. You uh, sometimes uh, explore some interesting terrain. Yes. But to say the least with us. Yes. <laughs> wow. Well. So any last words that you want to share about connecting with ancestors or with the land or the time of year? Oh, I, I would just still continue to say, because I've been saying it every day, uh, sound is not over for me. Right. <laughs> uh, sound is not over for a lot of people. So, uh, yeah, it just keep, for me, it's continue to listen to uh, not just my body, but the energies around it. And, and, knowing that just because the calendar says it's, you know, November or whatever, doesn't mean that sounds over. It doesn't, uh, doesn't mean that at all. So put down the book. Yeah. Well, we're, Listen. we're in a season. So it, to me, it's a lot like watching the moon change phases is that, you know, it doesn't go from dark to full in one day. It's a process. And Samhain, uh so you know the veil is thin uh i think throughout the winter it does seem to shift its focus right around yule yeah um but it it's not one day no yeah at all so uh i would ask our listeners uh given some of the things that you've heard from us we would love to hear from you about what this sound has brought you what kind of lessons and uh what you are feeling about its energies we'd love to hear from you uh, and you can contact us at our facebook page web of resonance or you can always send us an email at web of resonance pod at gmail.com absolutely as well as telling your friends hey this is the coolest podcast and i really like it i think you would enjoy it 
um, or, you know, sharing our posts on Facebook. Um, or I guess you can even go to Anchor and support us uh, by doing a donation if you'd like to as well so that we can uh, keep going. Not that we're going to stop, just <laughs> so we can keep going. <laughs> um, yeah, I uh, thank you for today, Teresa. I had a good time. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. So did I. And uh, thank all of you for listening and have a great week. Have a good week, everybody.